Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. With all due respect, I reject your theory completely. But you know what? There needs to be some backlash to this. This would be disastrous. There really has to be a better way. And I think the biggest question here is, what the hell is going on? The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. Move for present. Get in the race. Will he run? And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. You know, one of the things is I have gotten older, that I have gotten better at is I have gotten much better at living in the present. You know, I, I think there's this tendency that we all have to worry, sometimes obsess about the future. Oh, what, what's life going to be like, you know, five years from now or 10 years from now? John Lennon, and I'm not sure he's the first one that said it, but he used to say it. He said, life is what happens while you're making plans. And I've always thought that, that that's true. You know, you spend so much time trying to figure out where you're going to be five years from now or 10 years from now or what life is going to look like 20 years from now that sometimes you fail to appreciate what is, is going on around you. And I have, I confess that maybe there was a point in my life where I was like that. And, but I, I'm, I'm much better at just kind of living at the present and appreciating family and friends and the good stuff that's out there. And I, I'm not arguing that you should be irresponsible and just kind of, you know, just say, you know, what what the heck? I don't have to save for retirement or worry about tomorrow because, you know, tomorrow does come. So you have to you kind of balance it out. But there's people that just obsess about what is going to happen in the future. And I've been running into a couple of them over the last couple of days, and it ties into the world of sports. The Milwaukee Bucks, as we have been telling you, you know, all day, and I've been telling you for the last several weeks, tonight they start the 2019-2020 basketball campaign. They are clearly a team that is on the rise. The uh, Las Vegas odds makers, the over-under, how many games they think the Bucks are going to win, 57 and a half. So, I mean, you know, if, if you bet the over, you'd be betting the Bucks to win 58 games. There's no other team in the NBA that has a higher win total than the Bucks. And, you know, based on what happened last year, and you look, the Bucks are bringing back, you know, their core. They, they lost, you know, one player, but, you know, they've brought in others. And, and everybody thinks that they're a serious contender to, to win the NBA championship, which is something the Bucks haven't done since, what, 1971 or whatever. So people are extremely excited. But in addition to talking about that, I, I'm hearing from all these people who are now, well, what about Giannis? I mean, you know, Giannis, you know, he, he, he might leave and Giannis there was subject to this Harvard study and Giannis said that, you know, it, it kind of, you know, he wants to make sure he's playing for a team that's on the rise and oh my gosh, and they're wringing their hands and stuff. And I, I sit there and I say, you know, look, I, I understand. That's a valid issue. I, I, I get it. You want your team to be great forever. But I mean, here, here's the truth. Giannis who is, if not the best player in the NBA, one of the two or three best players in the NBA. And it's great to have him in Milwaukee. He, he's under contract for the Bucks for two more years. All right? Now, who knows what's going to happen moving forward? I am sure the Bucks are going to move heaven and earth to try to convince him to resign. And the advantage you have in the NBA is you, you can pay somebody more money to stay with the team that drafted you than, you know, other teams can play, pay. At the same time, when you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars, at some point in time, the question becomes, you know, how much is enough? But but regardless of all this, 
I mean, Giannis is under contract for two more years. And again, I know the Bucks are going to everything, do everything they can to keep him here, you know, for the foreseeable future. And that's all great. But, you know, we're on the eve or today is the day of start of what could be just the, a great basketball season. And people are worried about, well, gee, what's the team going to look like three years from now? Don't worry about that. Enjoy the moment. He is a special player. The team as constituted is a special sort of team. I- enjoy them. You know, enjoy what you have now. And, you know, if they're back next year, enjoy that. And just, I mean, yeah, you you don't want to just completely say, well, you know, what's going to happen? But just enjoy the moment. That would be my advice. It's the same thing for us Brewers fans. You know, Christian Yelich. Um, arguably the best player in baseball, or again, one of the top two or three. And when you consider, I mean, we want to talk about a golden age of sports for Wisconsin sports fans between Giannis, between Yelich, and between Aaron Rodgers. You know, arguably, you know, you talk about the three major sports. We have, you know, one of the best players in each of, of those sports. And I know some people are saying, okay, well, are the Brewers going to be able to re-sign Christian Yelich? Well, okay, Christian Yelich is under contract for three more seasons with the Brewers. Now, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen, you know, four seasons from now. I mean, who, who, who knows? Who knows what the team's going to look like? Who knows what the revenue's going to look like? You know, who, who knows what's, what's going to happen? And you'd love to see Christian Yelich finish his career as a Brewer. It's harder in baseball, I think, to re-sign some of the superstars because unlike in the NBA where you can, you can pay a premium to keep somebody from going to another team, that's not true in, in Major League Baseball. And my guess is that at some point in time, when Yelich's contract, you know, comes up with the next three years, somebody is going to offer him just really, really stupid money. And the question is going to be, can Milwaukee match it or not? But don't worry about that. He's under contract for three more seasons. Giannis is under contract for two. Just enjoy the special time that we have right now. And just don't worry about the future. All right, let us get started. 414-799-1620. That is the Accunate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. A lot of ground to cover, some political issues, some non-political issues, some political correctness issues, and some local policy issues all coming up on the program. Let us get started. Halloween is, of course, right around the corner. For many people in our area, the kids are going to be trick-or-treating either Saturday or Sunday. Halloween proper is a week from today. Lots of people are going to be going to Halloween parties. And Halloween, which used to be a time where people could just kind of let their freak flag fly, you know, and, and we didn't have to be worried about or obsessed with political correctness. Well, Halloween, a, a, a holiday, an event that kind of encourages, again, people to kind of get outside their comfort zone. Well, that has now changed to the point that if you get too far out of your comfort zone, be prepared for controversy. Last Yesterday, we talked about a story involving a mother who was upset because there was, it was Kmart, actually, that was selling over the Internet a, chi- a, a child bride costume. So if you want to take your four or five or six-year-old daughter and dress her up like a bride, well, this woman was offended and appalled, and she complained. And next thing you know, you have one of these change.org positions, and Kmart takes down this product and starts apologizing because the woman said, well, don't you know, we have children that are sold into uh, child marriages, and this is just supporting that, to which my response was, really? All right. Here is the next story, and if you want to um, see the video of it and actually see the objects we are talking about, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. 
tell you what, I will tell you about this in just a moment. We'll open up the phone lines. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Wagner 620, and you'll see what we're going to talk about next. Uh, warning, warning, if you are easily offended, well, this might drive you into one of your safe zones. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. All right. My wife, who is very very good at this stuff, we we have outside of of our house, we have a um, I, I I'd say it's a hollow. It, it's it's really not a Halloween themed decorations, but it's it's kind of like a fall themed things. There's a couple pumpkins. There's some other like sort of you know fall objects that are out there. It, it's it, it actually it looks it looks quite clever. It's not Halloween per se, but it's pumpkins and and things like that. She is very very good at that. Um. There are other people who like to decorate for Halloween. And what is the thing that you frequently see outside people's places for Halloween? It is the tradition. It is the pumpkin, right? And some people engage in like pumpkin carving. You take the real pumpkins and you take a knife and you cut off the top and you pull out the guts and then you kind of carve the face on the pumpkin and you put it either in your house or you put it outside. And if you get really creative, sometimes you put like a candle in it so it lights up, all those types of things. So there, there is that that goes on. There are also for other people who don't want to go to, I don't know if I'd say the trouble, but they don't want to get the real pumpkin and dig in and pull out the stuff and things like that. What they do is they buy artificial pumpkins. For example, um, I don't think we, I don't think it made the, made the move from Whitefish Bay to where we are now, but we used to have a big, giant, lit up plastic pumpkin that we would haul out and we would put you know, in the front window of our house. So you would drive by and you would see this, this giant pumpkin. It, it, was a, it was fake. It was plastic, right? And it was, it was orange, um, but, you know, and it had like the, uh, the features were, were black, black eyes, black mouth, the little nose that you would draw on it, but it, it was orange. But there are different kinds. If you have ever seen this, and you can still find these, believe it or not, on Amazon, there are some pumpkins which are black, and Bed Bath and Beyond, at least up until a day or so ago, online was selling black Halloween themed pumpkins. And they're, they're, they were artificial, they're, they're not real. And the black pumpkins that they were selling, also they were made to look like human faces. Uh, so what would happen is, and I'm looking at two of them now, they would be, they're, they're artificial, they are a black pumpkin themed around Halloween, and they have, they are made to look like somebody has carved a face out. So you've got the eyes, you've got the nose, you've got the mouth. And the eyes, the nose, and the mouth, to set up a contrast with the black pumpkin, they are white. All right? These have been, been sold for years. Maybe you have one like this. Maybe you've seen black pumpkins. Like I say, if you go on Amazon and you put this in, you will see things like this. Well, maybe you know where I am going with this. Here is the story. What happens is there's a law firm in New York that buys several of these black jack-o'-lanterns. And again, these are artificial, so they're plastic, but they're, they're made to look like, you know, faces. They're black pumpkins, and there's like a face that is painted on them in white. So the law firm 
buy several of these, and what they do is they personalize them with the names of their partners, and they set up a Halloween display on the porch steps outside their office. They say, hey, all we're trying to do is we're trying to create, again, a Halloween atmosphere. Within two days, the firm has removed the pumpkins from the display, and the people that sold them, this time it's Bed Bath & Beyond, have removed these pumpkins from the online shelves. Why? Because no sooner do they put these up than one or two people complain that this design shows an extreme lack of sensitivity because even though these are pumpkins, plastic pumpkins at that, this resembles, wait for it, blackface. The regional director for the NAACP in Westchester, New York, says... By now, I would believe everyone would know that anything, anything in blackface is offensive. Equally as offensive is that a retail store would have such an item in their inventory for general purchase. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. So you have a handful of people that complain. And actually, I, I'm not sure anybody really complained and said that they thought they were offended, but the mere possibility that somebody might be offended caused Bed Bath & Beyond to pull the item and to say, we apologize for any offense caused. This is a sensitive area, and though unintentional, we apologize for any offense caused. We have immediately removed the item for sale. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I swear when I saw this story, my result was, my, my reaction was just this heavy sigh. Right? It's a plastic pumpkin for Halloween, a black pumpkin with a face painted on it. This isn't a minstrel show. It's not a person a white person trying to be a person of color. It's a pumpkin. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Am I being insensitive? Or is this something that, well, in today's day and age, you got to realize it, it evokes images of blackface and people, you know, Bed Bath & Beyond should have known that people would be offended. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. For me, i got to tell you, my reaction was, give me strength. It's a plastic pumpkin. It's Halloween, for goodness sakes. We discuss in just a minute. Should people have been offended, and should Bed Bath & Beyond have caved? If you're on the line, please hold on. If you want to join us, 414-799-1620 is our number. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620. John in Wauwatosa. Hi, John. Hey, how you doing, Jeff? Good. What do you think? Should people hey, be offended by this? Well, be offended by the decisions of, say, Bed Bath & Beyond and the law firm? Well, be offended, first of all, by the, the pumpkins, the black pumpkins with white painting on them. Okay. Well, I, you know, my view is if people are offended, they're offended. And some are not going to be. I don't know that there should be a rule about it. I guess my, my, my thought, though, is that, you know, if I think about the story as you told it, the law firm's making a choice and a decision, as is Bed Bath & Beyond, about what they're doing with their business based on that feedback. Um, so, you know, and why are they doing that? They're doing that because, you know, they don't want to offend their customer base. They want to sell product, et cetera. 
so, you know, they're making a choice and a decision. And, and to me, that's fine. And if people are offended, that's fine. And if the businesses make those decisions based on folks being offended, well, okay, well, see, that, that's, I guess that's the point. Nobody argues that, that, that they don't have a right to cower because they get a complaint and, and pull this off the market. I mean, obviously, they have a right to right. do that. The question becomes, though, you know, should, should they cave in every time you have somebody obsessed, in my opinion, with political correctness who complains? Because, my, my God, you, you find, you know, there, somebody will find something to be offended about almost anything by. At some point in time, should we just say, get a life? You know, there's no intention here. No reasonable person thinks that these pumpkins are racist. They're plastic pumpkins. We're going to keep selling them. Shouldn't, shouldn't the company have had some conviction and stood up and done that? Like I said, and I'm sure that they're having those discussions in their in their board meetings, et cetera, right, about the choices they're going to make. Um, and uh, I, I don't know that we can place a rule here that they should or shouldn't. Uh, they're going to make a decision. It's for economic reasons. And, you know, this is the world we live in. Well, so, it is. No, uh, okay. Well, I, well, I pre- look, I mean, they're making an econ- a decision because they're cowards. Because in today's day and age, the idea that, you know, a, a small handful, a small teeny tiny number of people, that person that wakes up one morning and says, oh, my God, I, I'm, I'm offended, the politically correct and the perpetually offended, and that person complains, and then they go on the Internet and they start the change.org thing, and you find a handful of other people who decide that, yes, this is the thing that we're going to be offended about today, and then despite the fact that it's a teeny tiny number of people, you have these companies that just cave in, oh, we don't want anybody to be upset and we're sorry that somebody got offended instead of simply saying look no reasonable person would be offended by this there is nothing wrong with this we're sorry that your sensibilities are so that you're so thin-skinned that your sensibilities are so fragile that you're going to be offended by a plastic pumpkin for goodness sakes that we're going to back off okay so i mean yes just would once wouldn't you like to have one of these companies stand up and say you know we're sorry but this is just not a reasonable position that you are taking, and we're going to continue to sell this. And if you don't like it, well, don't buy the pumpkin. All right, we respect that, but we're not going to give in to the tyranny of the, in this case, the extreme minority. I would respect a company so much more if it would do that instead of, oh, somebody out there somewhere was offended and we're appalled. Just... I mean, but that's not where we are nowadays. The pendulum has swung so far in the direction of let's not have people, anybody, anywhere be offended. And the truth is, you're never going to be able to please everybody. Trust me, I know. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Nine words. Suck it up, buttercup. Buttercup is one word. Suck it up, buttercup. It's for your own good. All right, let me back into this topic. One of the realities of this world is that you can't go into too many public arenas nowadays without going through metal detectors. If you go to Miller Park, for example, or you go to Pfizer Forum to see a Bucks game, what happens is you get, you show up there, they have security guards, 
They have a metal detector. You have to take your cell phone and your keys out of your pocket. You have to put them in a little tray. They run the tray through, in some cases, like a little metal scan, through a scanner or something, and then you have to walk through the metal detector. And if you have metal in your pocket, it sets it off, and they have another guard that's there with a handheld wand that they, they check out, and they try to determine where this is. It is. Is it a pain in the butt sometimes? Yes. Is it an inconvenience? Yes. Does it delay you getting in? Yes. Is it annoying if you have to wait in a line because people are getting scanned and maybe you're outside? Yeah, it, it's an annoyance. But you know what? Welcome to the modern world. And they do these things because it is for the safety of everyone else, because there's crazies out there and they want to make sure that somebody's not bringing a gun into the venue or they're not bringing a knife into the venue or whatever. And it's a pain in the butt, but it's something that we're all used to. And I don't know about you, but it's do I love doing it? No, but I accept if you're going to go out in public, this is something that has to happen. If you have flown any time in the last 20 years, particularly internationally, you know the process is a lot more intense. Go to an airport nowadays. What happens? You stand in line to, first of all, show your boarding pass and show your identification to a TSA person. Then you move through there. Then a lot of times you have to take off your shoes. You have to go through the same process. You have to completely empty your pockets. Sometimes you have to take your belt off because it's going to set off the metal detector. You have to take your jacket off. You have to open your purse You have to take your carry-on bags, and you have to take your computer out of the carry-on bag and put that in a tray and send everything through one of those scanners. Again, it's got the belt that runs, and there's somebody that sits there and looks at it. And from time to time, you might get jacked up, even though you have done absolutely nothing. They might come to you, and they might say, hey, we need you to open this bag, and we need you to turn on the computer, or we need you to turn on the cell phone, or or whatever. I don't know what the TSA people are looking for, but I've always sympathized with the TSA folks because you want to talk about a thankless job. You've got everybody who's trying to get through, people in a rush. They view this as an annoyance. 99.9999999% of the stuff they look at is going to be harmless and benign. But if, if somebody ever gets something past them, you know there's going to be all you know what to pay. So I've just, I've always just kind of rolled with the flow, tried to be polite as possible. Wish them all a good day because it is a thankless sort of job. But again, it's just what we have to do. It is the price we pay in order to be safe. All right. Milwaukee Public Schools, an area that is extremely concerned with violence in the schools. MPS wanted to upgrade the x-ray scanners at several of their schools. Because apparently at a number of the schools, the the X-ray scanners that they have are old. Some of them don't work very well, et cetera, et cetera. So they got this federal grant, and the federal grant provided a whole bunch of money, a couple hundred thousand dollars, $217,600. And it was going to be used, it was intended to be used to upgrade the scanners. And in some of these schools, what they were going to do is they were going to put in some of the new level scanners that were there, you know, kind of like what you see at the airport. So kids going through this, what they'd have to do is they, they'd have to, you know, go through this, they'd have to empty their pockets, presumably. And the idea is if you know, we're going to try to catch somebody if they're bringing a gun or a knife in. Interestingly enough, the vice principal 
at one of the MPS schools, Grappi High School. You know, he's quoted in the paper as saying last year he confiscated 20 knives, 20 knives that were hidden in the linings of backpacks, shoes, etc., because of the metal detectors and the X-ray scanners. They would not have caught this. And my guess is this is just the tip of the iceberg. But that's one vice principal saying, hey, we got over it. We got 20 knives, and, and these were being hidden in different places. And if it weren't for the scanners, we would have, we would have, we wouldn't have caught them. And God knows what the people would have done if they got into the school with, with the knives. Now, you would think, or at least I would think, that this is kind of a no-brainer. I mean, it's just something that we all go through nowadays. It is a regular part of life. For better or worse, you go through the metal detectors. You go through the scanners. You open your purse. All right, they look for things like that. Most times they don't find anything. That's good. That's good. But the reason they're there is to catch stuff on those occasions where somebody's trying to bring something in. Well, why are we talking about this? Because apparently... The least a committee of the Milwaukee School Board has decided, no, we're not going to go ahead with this. We're not going to upgrade our security. Why? Because a handful of protesters decided to complain. It is this group that calls itself LIT, or Leaders Igniting Transformation. Here's what they say. The presence of police officers metal detectors, harsh disciplinary policies, and limited resources are pushing students out of the classroom and into prisons. Um, We are concerned with the safety of students and staff in our school. We all must acknowledge, however, that neither metal detectors nor x-ray machines will reduce violence in schools. So they are objecting, saying we're treating the kids like they're in prison. Um, so, you know, what we, we, we shouldn't have this because, you know, we want to create these positive learning environments. And so if we make them go through metal detectors or be screened in some sort of way, what's going to happen is they feel like they're in prison. 414-799-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I confess this is the second give me strength topic of, of the morning or the, of the afternoon. <sighs> MPS has a grant. MPS says, I want to upgrade, we want to upgrade the the scanners, the x-ray machines to catch people trying to bring knives and guns into these schools. You have this group that says, oh, you're treating the kids like they are prisoners. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't know. I don't feel like a prisoner when I go through the airport or when I go to Miller Park or when I go to a Bucks game or when I go to Lambeau Field or when I go into a courthouse and you have to, you know, empty your pockets. I recognize that while it is an unfortunate reality of modern life, it is the reality of modern life. And I think it is appalling that members of the Milwaukee School Board would cave in to some of these complainers. What's going to happen if somebody is now able to bring a gun into the school that would have been caught and shoots it up? Will those people take responsibility? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 
Here's a text, Jeff. Funny story. I was in St. Petersburg, Russia last year. They were selling nesting dolls. They actually had one of Aaron Rodgers. On the way home, airport security at the Istanbul airport actually took apart all eight layers of the nesting dolls. They had four security checkpoints before boarding the flight. Yeah, I, I mean, I just flew back from um, I just flew back from Europe in the last month. Let, let me tell you, you go through the Frankfurt airport or the airport in Basel, Switzerland. They don't fool around with security. I was in Las Vegas last weekend all right the, the metal detectors that i went through to go there and to come back all right is it a little bit of a pain in the butt yeah but i didn't feel like i was in prison and yet they quote the journal sentinel quotes some parent who says well you know the one at south division high school um goes to my son at south division high school goes through the same kind of metal detectors that he saw when he was in prison I don't want to hear that my son is treated in the same manner I saw in prison. I think that's disgusting. Well, okay, those metal detectors are also the same metal type of metal detectors that all of us go through when we go to the courthouse or when we go to get on an airplane. Where these people come from is just beyond me. Tony in Milwaukee. Tony, you're on WTMJ. Uh, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Hi, Tony. I absolutely agree. Um, the thing is, is if we had this problem out in the suburbs, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. We would have metal detectors. They would do, be doing everything possible to stop uh, yeah. weapons from getting into schools. I think this is all uh, political grandstanding. It's because it's a Milwaukee school, and yeah. that's what it is. Well, they, they, they don't want to have metal detectors because they say, oh, they're labeling our children. You want to know something? We're trying to keep them safe. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, that, that's, that's it. I mean, okay, one of, the, one of the members of the school board who voted against this says it's a difficult issue. What do you mean it's a difficult issue? You're, yeah, we have metal detectors all over. Go to State Fair. Go to Summerfest. You go through metal detectors, for goodness sakes. They said, this is one of the school board members. Our schools need to be places of nurturing, learning, warm, loving environments. I would much rather have our students greet at the door with the smiling face of a social worker or guidance counselor or someone who is there to support them. Well, okay. But, but okay, we live here, note to, so, note to school board, we live in a different sort of world. And, yes, I think it would be wonderful to have, you know, June Cleaver sitting there with milk and cookies saying, welcome to school. But, all right, that that's not the reality that we live in. You have to, you've got to make sure it is safe. And I understand that there is this balancing act. But, you know, metal detectors are unfortunately a way of life nowadays. And this idea that, oh, the children's psyches are so fragile that if they have to go through a metal detector, they're going to be crushed. Give me a break. Mike on the northwest side. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hi, good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Mike. It's it's unfortunate that these metal detectors have to go down to the grade school and high school level, but it's an education for these kids. It's today's world. Yeah. You go to a concert, you go to anywhere, yeah. you got to go through a metal detector. And you were talking about Vegas. I was in Vegas about, ten, well, more recently than that, but about 10 years ago. They singled me out as, uh, we got one, and they went through my suitcase uh, carry-on with uh, plastic gloves and everything uh, looking for it. And they went through my laundry bag and everything in there. Yeah, I'm right. And, and, that, and that's... I'm going like, well, I'm, I, I felt like, boy, I'm singled out, and I thought, what the heck's going on? But... It's part of reality. Well, it is right, and 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 you and and you understand that. If it's frustrating, look, I 
I get it. I mean, it's a pain in the butt. But this idea that, oh, you, you feel like you're going to prison. No, well, no. I mean, I feel, I mean, my bigger thought is not that it's going to prison. It's that it's unfortunate that we are at a point in our society where you need to do that before you go into public events. But you need to do that before you go into public events. Jeff, I graduated from an MPS school 20 years ago. We had metal detectors then. This is nothing new. Yeah, in some of the cases, some of the schools apparently that have the metal detectors, they're either outdated or they don't work or whatever. So some of the dough that was going to be used in this grant was going to be to upgrade the metal detectors, get stuff that that worked because candidly, you know, why, why have metal detectors if they're they're not going to work? But but look, I understand you have these x-ray machines. There is a purpose behind this. And again, if these buttercups that are going to school are so traumatized, oh, this is terrible. We have to go through the metal detector. Well, there's a reason for it. And my guess is the vast majority of the kids understand what that reason is. And for every member of the politically correct Milwaukee School Board, that if they ultimately decide to turn down this and let's not have these upgrades and etc and something bad happens and i'm not predicting it will but some kid is able to get a knife in that would have otherwise been caught like i say this one vice principal he's he said look i got we got 20 knives and most of those would not have been caught were it not for metal detectors if one kid gets hurt because some other kid is able to smuggle something into the school because they decided well we don't we, we want to have this nurturing environment we want to have the smiling guidance counselor instead of the metal detector well all right there, there's going to be blood on the hands of the people in the school board that made this decision tom in greenfield tom you're on wtmj yeah uh, i'll go to one of the uh, chain banks and a few years back, they were robbed a lot of times and stuff like that. So they put on a system and everything else. And uh, they've caught a few people yeah. uh, in where you can't get in, can't get on out and everything else. But I think these people that are protesting some of that, maybe their kids are the ones that are also the ones that are bad kids, too, that uh, have problems and everything else with uh, kind of uh, what do you call the word rules and regulations yeah. and everything else. Well, I mean, I think, I mean, I don't know, I, but I mean, I, I get it's, it's, it's this theory that's out there, and, and we, we all want it to be Norman Rockwell, leave it to Beaver, the 1950s, okay? Where, you know, the, the big problem was some kid, I don't know, might bring baseball trading cards to school or something like that, or might bring gum to school. Okay, but, but that's not the environment we, we live in right now. And this idea that, well, we shouldn't spend money on trying to make the kids safe. And we shouldn't try to identify kids that might be bringing contraband in and catch that out because, oh, some kids might feel like they're going to prison. Again, it's just I don't know where this mindset comes from because the kids have to get used to it because the truth is when they go to a lot of other places in the real world including baseball games or basketball games or whatever they're, they're going to go they're going to be wanted they're going to go through metal detectors they're going to have them check to see if they're bringing in contraband that is the reality and, and so again for these people who might be offended and say oh this is affecting learning it's nine words Nine words that, you know, maybe we need to be willing to say more often, and certainly elected officials should be willing to say, suck it up, buttercup, it's for your own good. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back. I hate political stunts. 
And I think people that we elect and send to Madison or to send, we send to Washington should be above those and above that type of like cheap theatrics. And it doesn't matter to me whether they're Republicans or Democrats. Now, let's review the bidding here. I take you back, oh gosh, probably like about eight years or so now, after Governor Walker was first elected and he came out with his Act 10 proposals, which significantly rolled back the right of public unions for collective bargaining and things like that. You, you will remember a number of the things that happened in the state, or maybe if you're new to the state, you don't remember. What, what happened is you had a, a lot of organized labor that just went into a tizzy. And you had union activists from all across the country that poured into Madison. And you had essentially an effort to kind of take over the the state capital. And you had, I don't know, members of the legislature in a couple occasions where they'd open the windows and they'd let the protesters in. And so you'd have, you know, occupying the occupation of the state capital and the state capital building. All right. At one point in time, you had the Democratic minority in the state Senate, including several people who are still there, who decided we are going to flee the state. Remember that? They fled the state because they didn't have the votes to block the legislation. So what they decided to do is we are going to flee the state. We're going to run away, we're going to hide, and we're going to try to keep the legislature out of session to stop from passing this. And and they were gone for for about a month. And I remember saying this at the time on, on a daily basis, just kind of shaking my head about how childish I thought this whole process was. And at the end of the day, it, it didn't accomplish anything anyways. I mean, sooner or later, they came back, Act 10 got passed, boom, we, we, we move on. So it's just the reality. So, but, but we had these, this 30-day hissy fit where you have these elected officials that decide they're going to flee the state to try to block this process instead of, you know, doing their jobs and arguing against it. And ultimately, you know, you put up all the parliamentary maneuvers you want and you win or you lose and, and then you move on. But they fled the state. I thought it was childish. I thought it was an embarrassment. And I thought it was a disgrace to a number of the people who continue to serve in the state legislature to this day. It's not a moment that they should be proud of, even though some of them might be. All right. Let's let's flip over and let's talk about what is going on now. There is an effort in Washington, of course, to impeach President Trump. I have said this before. I say it again. I do not believe that there is ultimately an impeachable offense. I I, I just I don't think that that is the case. And I understand there's people that are searching long and hard to try to believe that there's some violation of the emoluments clause. And but at the end of the day, I just don't see this happening now. Do I recognize the political reality that sometime between now and the end of the year, the majority in the House of Representatives may, in fact, vote articles of impeachment against the president? Yeah, I I understand that. And then you're going to go over to the Senate. And as I say, the the Senate, two-thirds of the Senate, is not going to vote to remove President Trump. So this is, to me, an, an exercise in futility. It also... The way it is being conducted by the Democrats and Nancy Pelosi does does have the smell of a witch hunt. There are procedures that were put in place. And back when there was the effort to impeach Richard Nixon 
and then later on the effort to impeach Bill Clinton, there were procedures that were followed, and the proceedings were public. First of all, there was a vote in the House of Representatives to start the investigation. Nancy Pelosi doesn't have an obligation under the law to do it, but it was the procedure that was used to get Congress on record. She doesn't want Congress on record because she is afraid there will be blowback against Democrats in moderate districts. And so what she's trying to do right now is, and the anti-Trump Democrats are trying to kind of have their cake and eat it too. We're going to go ahead. We're going to do all this impeachment stuff. We're going to leak damning things about the president out. But, you know, we're not going to have the underlying vote getting the whole thing started. On top of that, they are holding the proceedings in secret, which I think is absolutely appalling. I mean, and then it's not just that the proceedings are being held in secret, but that there is selective leaking coming out. And there was apparently testimony a couple of days ago where you had an ambassador who implied that, well, maybe there was some quid, quid, quid pro quo there, and they leak his statement. But... I am told, and the reports are, that the guy completely crumbled under cross-examination and that it is a much more nuanced or complex picture than would come from the guy's original statement. But we don't know that because even though the damning statement was leaked, you know, the the questioning and the cross-examination wasn't. So I I understand you get the headlines and you get the anti-Trump mainstream media, oh, this could be this smoking gun, whatever, but we, we don't know because we don't have the whole story behind this because the Democrats have decided to hold these proceedings in secret. And that plays into the whole idea that this is nothing but a witch hunt where we're not going to let the public see what is going on. We're not going to show both sides of the story. And then, you know, we're going to leak the stuff that supports our theory. And you've got the press that's willing to just guppy on that. And and they'll report that because they hate Trump. All those are legitimate concerns. And and it does strike me that the process that is being used is grossly unfair and does play into the the whole argument that there's a witch hunt. And I I do put that on Nancy Pelosi and I put that on the people who are running this because they've set this up to make it appear like it's a kangaroo court, especially with the selective leaks. I, I don't see any profiles and courage on that perspective. All right. So that's how I look at what's been going on. Having said that, what happened yesterday was a stunt engaged in by Republicans that I find to be embarrassing. A number of the Republicans in Congress have these concerns that I just articulated. They think that the president's being railroaded, and they think this process is unfair, and, and they have very, very good points. So what they did, you had uh, 25 to 30 Republican members of the House of Representatives who decided that what they were going to do is they were going to bum rush the rooms where the House Intelligence Committee was conducting their private interviews that then were, I say private because they do the interviews and then the stuff gets leaked. So it's really not private. But what they do is they bum rush this. They push past Capitol Police officers. They enter secure rooms of the House Intelligence Committee and they refuse to leave. 
Um, and so, you know, then shouting matches and screaming, an appearance by the house sergeant at arms, et cetera, et cetera. And this, this goes on for four or five hours. And it's, it's a made-for-TV event, just like the Democrats' senators bailing on Wisconsin back in 2011 or 2012. You know, it was a made-for-TV event. And I understand all that. But I kept watching it thinking, you know, th- this whole thing is childish. I appreciate the concerns that a number of the Republicans had to the process. I think that those are legitimate concerns, and I think they have every right to voice them. But doing what they did yesterday, to me, makes them the same as the Wisconsin Democratic senators who fled the state. You know, even though you feel it's a witch hunt and it's an abusive process, you let the thing play out and you use the procedures that are available to you to expose this. But I thought, I mean, I thought the Republicans looked bad yesterday in doing what they did. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And again, I, I, I understand the concerns. I think a number of the concerns they have about this process are extremely valid. But did they go about it the right way yesterday, or did they hurt their cause. 414-799-1620. And I would argue that maybe it's that latter, that, that, you know, even though it might be, an, you don't have to agree with me whether you think that it's a legitimate beef or not, but by doing what they did yesterday, did, did, didn't they hurt themselves? Mark on the east side. Mark, you're first. Uh, yes, thank you. And you have an excellent show. I, I, I'm being upfront. I am a Democrat. I was appalled at what happened. Uh, the process has to play out, okay? You can't just storm into a courtroom in which you already know is formative. You can't just take, uh, whatever, six, uh, a dozen people and, and try to make a point. And what I, it just, if the Republicans want to prove their point, okay? I'm a, I'm a Democrat from mm-hmm. here to, to the end of the earth. But what I'm saying is that let the process play out. Sure. Let, 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 let the story be told. And, and, and I agree with you on that point. But to kick in the door, basically, what the Republicans yeah. did yesterday, and Trump did have knowledge of this. Sure. It's been over. He had knowledge of this grandstanding. And then trying to expose who the whistleblower was. And, and this is why we have a, a, a quiet meeting about to get the testimony. If you're going to protect the witness, how can you do that to protect the witness when you know that that, and remember what the, the, he said it himself, a lynch mob. That basically was a lynch mob coming in there to find out, hey, what's going on and string the rope up. And that's what I don't understand why the Republicans did that. So I agree with you. That was not right what they did. They should let it play out. Right. Well, right. And exact. And there, there will be time I, I, at some point in time. You know, right. th- these proceedings are going to have to become public and the full sure. transcripts, including not just the statements, but also the, the cross examination that that's all going to come out there. And, you, and so there is going to be an opportunity. And like we were just talking about, again, I, I think I have issues with this being conducted in private. I have issues with it being conducted without having a vote. But but those are all things that you work out. You don't act like spoiled children, like running to Illinois or storming, you know, kicking in closed doors. And that's just not the way grown-ups behave. It, it, it was kind of like they stormed the, the, the Bastille. Just, right. it, it just, I just, I've never, I've never, I'm 50. I've never seen anything like that occur. 
And then my last one, if, if you if you truly, if Trump is truly innocent, then let, let the facts play right. itself out, and the American public will, will see the answer to that. But with what Trump is doing with this spin and direct, spin and direct, that, that's not right. right. I agree with you. The process should play itself out. Right. And, now, thanks, and again, I, I think you can make a very strong case, if you choose, that the process is grossly skewed and unfair, and this is being used as a political witch hunt against the president. And, and, and you can make those arguments, and you could say just some of the things that we were talking about, about how you know there hasn't been a vote. They refused to use the process that we used for Nixon, that we used for Clinton. They refused to do that. You can argue, hey, the Democrats, they, they understand that there's, you could make this argument, that there's no there there, and they're trying to manipulate, you know, use a, a willing press to try to manipulate stuff with selective leaks or the selective release of documents or whatever without showing the other side of the story. You can make that case, and you might have a case to make, but when you storm, when you do what they do yesterday, I think you, I don't know, I, I think you get in the way of what the message is. We continue the conversation in just a moment. 414-799-1620 is the number. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 414-799-1620. Here's a text. Jeff, I applaud the Republicans for doing what they did yesterday. It's about time they stood up for themselves instead of laying down. Well, okay, I, I guess I here, here's where I disagree. I Just like when the Democrats fled the state eight years ago to try to stall Act 10, no, they, they weren't. It wasn't a question of laying down. It was a question of, I think, you know, trying to manipulate the system and, and looking childish. Republicans, there's all sorts of stuff that they could do to, if they feel the process is is unfair, and they might have some legitimate points about that, there's all sorts of things that, that you could do, but deciding we're going to bum rush this, this committee hearing that's the secure thing, and we're going to kick in the door, and we're going to stay there for five hours, and we're going to get into a screaming match, to me... Well, you made yourselves look like the Democratic senators from Wisconsin who fled. Dan on the south side. Hi, Dan. Hey, uh, I agree with you. They, they did make like they did make like fools. I've got two questions for you. One is, you know, you, I know Kevin uh, Dent, uh, Nunes is in one committee, and so is Jim Jordan and a couple of these other guys. They're asking the same question. They ask their questions. Yeah. Uh, on the other side, the Democrats ask questions. So why are these guys coming out and, I mean, they're, they're out in the hall beating about it, but they're asking questions, are they not? Yeah, there are there are Republicans that are in these committee hearings. That's correct, yes. Okay. The other question, this one is a big one for you. You know that Nancy Pelosi is going to hold a public meeting on public. They are going to go out in public. With but yeah, at some so point in time, they're going to have to, yep. Okay. Here's the thing, and I know as much as you do, I, I mean, I mean, you know less, of what's really, I only seen what's on television. Well, let's say they do have a strong, strong uh, case against Trump, a strong case. Maybe they don't, or they, if they do, what, how are you going to take it then if they do have proof? Well, I mean, I, okay, but well, thanks for calling, Dan. I, I will have to wait and see. So far, and again, I, I don't, I want to focus on the process right now. So far, I have not seen anything reported in the media that convinces me that an impeachable offense has occurred, which isn't to say that I think that the President of the United States behaved appropriately, but that's, that's different than saying that there's an impeachable offense, something that you remove somebody from office for. And I, cause, 
I, I mean, I, I to me, this, again, continues to look like a, a political witch hunt. And if the argument is you're having a phone call and you say, hey, I, I in one paragraph you say, I'd, I'd like to have a favor. And then later on you say, I really, you know, we're hearing about this issue and we'd, we'd like you to investigate and clear it up. I, to, to me, I don't think that's what you remove presidents for. But the, you know, the process will play itself out. Um, I don't know if I'm convinced that the president is convinced and committed an impeachable offense. I'll, I'll I'll render that verdict at the time. But so far, I don't think we're anywhere close to that. And I don't think the Democrats are anywhere close to that or else you would have seen a lot of this stuff being made public. But but yeah, the process I think really took a hit yesterday, and there's all sorts of ways that you could protest and aggressively argue, but acting like spoiled children, and that's what I thought happened yesterday, I don't think it it makes it more likely to bring people over to your side. And here's the other reality that's going on. You know, and during... Um, the, the 12 o'clock hour of the program yesterday, we talked about the, the Marquette University Law School poll that came out. The, the, the public is not there on impeachment. I mean, the public just, just isn't. I mean, you look at Wisconsin and, you know, the, 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 the plurality of people who, you know, ask this question, they're, they're not in favor of impeachment and removal. And, you know, there, there's people that disapprove of the president's job performance, but they don't want him impeached, just like there were people who disagreed with Scott Walker about Act 10, but, you know, they, they didn't want him recalled. They thought that was an abusive process. One of the reasons that Nancy Pelosi has not had a vote thus far is she doesn't want to get moderate Democrats, force them to be on record in supporting an impeachment process that the general public is not a removal of the president, even if they don't like Trump, the majority of the, I think, the population isn't there on the removal. And that's the the politics of this whole thing that's playing out. Will that change? Is there some smoking gun around? Again, I, I tend to doubt it, but, you know, we'll be able to figure out at some point in time. But if Republicans want to defend the president, I think that there's better ways to do it than the way they chose yesterday. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Yeah, this Giannis story, the sooner it gets put to bed, the better for for everybody. Harvard um, Business School, they're, they're, they, they do these studies that are designed to, in some respects, create controversy so that the students can discuss and how do you deal with this. So they were using the Bucks as a case study on a success story about this amazing turnaround. You take a franchise that was kind of down in the dumps, playing in an older arena with a team that really hadn't gone anywhere for years, and how in the matter of just a handful of years, you, you've turned it around, you've got the Deer District, you've got Pfizer Forum, and you have a team which is one of the favorites to win the NBA championship. Not going to say they're going to do it, but they're one of the favorites. So in doing that, you know, you, you've got to try to create some controversy. So in the study that comes out, they quote uh, Giannis as saying, and and first of all, what people need to realize is he's under contract with the Bucks for two more years. And I started off this program by saying we, we just I think one of our problems is that we're unable collectively. We're, we're just unable to live in the moment. You know, we always we always are trying to figure out what's going to happen next. And, and you're always making plans and, and things like that. And, and sometimes you just need to be able to live in the present. I'm not saying you, you know, be irresponsible or things like that. But but in general, 
if all you're going to do is worry about what's going to happen five or 10 or 15 years from now, well, you, you just never know what, what life might do. Maybe you're going to get a pleasant surprise and maybe you're going to get a kick in the stomach. You just never know what life is going to do for you. So you have to enjoy the present. And, you know, who knows if Giannis is going to resign with the Bucks two seasons from now. Bucks are going to do everything they can to get him to re- resign. But my point is enjoy the special player while he's here. And if he's here for the next 10 years, great. That's outstanding. But, you don't worry, gee, three years from now he might be gone. Enjoy the special player. Christian Yelich, a special ball player. The Brewers have him for three more years. Will they be able to keep him at the end of three years? I don't know. My guess is it's going to be harder to sign, re-sign Yelich than it will be to uh, re-sign Giannis because the NBA rules allow you to... Uh, essentially overpay, pay more to keep somebody here. And the truth of the matter is, I think the Bucks, with billionaire owners, have more resources than, say, the, the Brewers do. But who knows? Yelich is here for three years. Enjoy him. Who knows how long, much longer Aaron Rodgers is going to play? But enjoy him. Enjoy the moment. But, of course, now all everybody's talking about is Giannis going to leave or not. The story, the this is what they quote him as saying, I want the Bucks to build a winning culture. So far, we've been doing great. And if that lasts, there's no other place I want to be. But if we're underperforming in the NBA next year, deciding whether to sign becomes a lot more difficult. Okay, so that's that's it. Now, everybody's picking this up saying, well, maybe he's thinking about leaving somewhere. And and to me, it's like, you know, just enjoy the moment here. Um, But, you know, now he's out there saying that he's, you know, misquoted. He says, my girlfriend Mariah asked me yesterday, did you actually say this? And I said, if you kind of read the last quote, I've never used those words in my life. He said, but I'm not going to talk about it. I'm just going to focus on the season. And I've said in the past, it's disrespectful, man. We're facing the Houston Rockets, a championship-level team tonight, which is exactly the the right thing to say. He says, we have a goal, which is to play till the end. And I'm not going to talk about free agency at all this season. I'm not going to distract my teammates. The attention's not going to be on me. It's going to be on the team and what we've got to do to win um yeah he said look he he said the last quote it's words i i didn't use he said underperforming or weather or deciding all those words i've never used in my life as i've said i'm not going to be i'm not going to talk about it so you know he he's saying they kind of made this up now i don't know what he said or what i didn't say i obviously you know, it wouldn't be out of the realm to say, hey, you know, I, I love it here. I, I just love this team. It's great. You know, but I mean, I don't have to decide this. I'm not allowed to decide this till the end of next year. And and clearly, you know, what's going on with the team is, is a factor that I will consider. All right. That, that I'm sure that's a reasonable thing, etc. But now you have this huge controversy. And I guess my bottom line is just get past it. Enjoy a special player for as long as he is here and let's hope that this is a special season for the Bucks. I mean, I I remember when they won their only other championship and it was so incredibly cool. This would be great for the city and you know, maybe they're going to be able to accomplish it and let's not worry about who's going to be here 3 years from now. All right, when we come back, as promised, Squirrel Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Yes, Screw, producing the show today and always. You know how you can tell if somebody went to Harvard? This is, of course, all the controversy involving Giannis is involving something out of Harvard. You know how you can tell? They tell you. They tell you, exactly, within 15 seconds. That, that, I, if you've ever, if you've ever talked to somebody from Harvard 
I mean, it's within 30 seconds of the conversation. They tell you they went to Harvard. Honest to goodness, you, you can be walking down the street with somebody that you, you've only met, you've just met, you have met them. You're walking down the street and you say, hey, um, Gru's Burger Bar, they have a really good cheeseburger there. And the person will say, well, well, yes, that is a good cheeseburger. But when I was at Harvard, there was a place. It's just, it is one of these amazing things. I think at Harvard, there must be this class in name dropping. There must be a class that they just indoctrinate all the freshmen that, you know, the first class that you have to take is anytime you're having a conversation, you have to squeeze in the fact that you went to Harvard into the conversation. Yes, that's wonderful. I, oh boy, that, that was just a great show. I really enjoyed seeing that performance. But you know, when I was at Harvard, just fill in the button. When I was at Harvard, dot, 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 it's always there. Okay. Squirrel. I think we have legitimate concerns about mass transit in this area. The reality, though, is we don't have a population that really has the mass transit needs that, say, you do if you live in a place like a San Francisco or a Los Angeles or a Chicago or a New York. It is still relatively easy to drive around this area and to park in the area. And that's that's going to be the case for years and years and years and years and years and years. Oh, we, we don't have this huge expanding population here in, in the upper Midwest. Now, that isn't to say that there aren't some people who don't have cars or, you know, would like to have superior transportation options to, to get around. And, and you have to be mindful of that. But you look at, like, bright, shiny objects like, you know, Tom Barrett's Trolley Folly, and you sit there and you say, okay, we're spending $100-plus to to move people around a one point a two point one mile radius that really there, there's nothing there and the only way you can realistically expand this is by taking hundreds of millions of dollars more and diverting it from other things to build a trolley line that might move a few more people but really isn't going to get significant numbers of people anywhere. All right, so but we get distracted by the bright shiny objects. Squirrel, there is the trolley. There is another squirrel that is playing out in Milwaukee County. And this is something that Chris Abley, the soon-to-be ex-Milwaukee County executive, has been pushing. And it's something that I swear I do not understand. But it is moving apace. And this is the so-called bus rapid transit line. Now, in Milwaukee, there are huge issues with the buses. We The buses do not have enough ridership to support them, so they have to depend on the contributions of, you know, of, of taxpayers to help underwrite them. And that's fine. That, that's reasonable. I mean, I think you have to have a public transportation system. But, you know, remember what's going on. Every time, you know, we have a, a talk about a budget and all, there's always, hey, we're going to cut off the freeway flyers. We're going to get rid of all these bus routes. You know, we've got these underperforming routes that we're going to get rid of. And then people legitimately come up and they complain. They say, hey, you can't get rid of this bus route or that bus route or whatever. So there are legitimate financial needs affecting the bus company. Don't deny that at all. The county has come up with this cockamamie idea that they have been touting for the last couple years, and it, it advanced a little bit yesterday. What they want to do is they want to create a dedicated bus line that will essentially 
take up a parking lane and or lane of traffic that will run a so-called rapid transit bus um, up Wisconsin Avenue and then flip it over and run it up Blue Mound till it gets to the medical college. All right. This this project is going to cost fifty four million dollars. million, plus it's going to take up a lane uh, away from traffic or away from parking or whatever. Now, the only way that this works is if the federal government comes in and gives Milwaukee County a bunch of the money. Milwaukee County wants $38 million from the feds. And so far, the feds haven't said no, but they haven't said yes. Uh, the project apparently has a medium rating, which is the minimum required to move forward, but it's not like there's any sort of commitment. Okay, but it's still, it's $54 million. So even if you got the $38 million, locally, you'd still have to come up with most of the rest of it. Now, I bring this up because yesterday, a uh, Common Council committee approved going ahead with, again, coming up with design for it's a design agreement so okay we'll we'll help design the stuff that's in milwaukee but the agreement was the county is going to pay us back for it so it's moved this other step i i i look at this and i admit i i just i i shake my head and i wonder what what is going on here all right right now if you were to implement one of these bus rapid transit lines all right they estimate that for somebody who went from the heart of downtown milwaukee out to the medical college all right took it all the way it would save 8 minutes 8 8 minutes which is about a 20% time saving compared to the existing bus route. So it it would be eight minutes shorter. But to get that eight minutes, it's going to cost $54 million. Eight minutes. And what it's going to do is it's going to, again, disrupt traffic. It's going to make it more difficult to drive on these main routes, Wisconsin or Blue Mound Avenue. It's going to take away parking. It's going to make it difficult to get into some of those businesses, essentially to um, you know save eight minutes. They estimate that there will be 9,500 riders that would use this each weekday by 2035. Huh. Um, yeah, good luck with that. I mean, that that's kind of a frat. That's exponentially more than the number of people who ride this now. So you have to believe that, first of all, people are going to get out of their cars. And secondly, that large numbers of people are going to flock to this and suddenly say, we're going to start using the, the bus because we knock eight minutes off of the route. And of course, you still have to, if people don't live near this route, you still have to either take buses to hook up with it or more likely, you know, drive to places and park your car. Aren't you just going to go ahead and drive if you've got an appointment out at the medical college or something? Our number, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I understand that, that this, you know, we, we have 
real mass transit issues here I, I in this community. I, I get it. But to take $54 million on the bright, shiny object that would be, gee, bus rapid transit, simply to knock eight minutes off a ride between, at best, between you know, downtown Milwaukee and the medical college for $54 million seems to me to be absolutely, what's the word I'm looking for? Insane. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. Here's a text, Jeff. The standard buses used now only hold 40 people, so to get that exaggerated 9,600 rides per day would require 240 trips per day, which would be insane considering that it would likely only operate 5 a.m., that it wouldn't, that it would likely operate 5 a.m. to 1 a.m., meaning a bus leaving both ways every 10 minutes, which would be ludicrous and unnecessary. Right. And, and actually, they're thinking of buying electric buses, which hold fewer than 40 people. I mean, the, the numbers are all pie in the sky type of stuff it's just but but again think what you could do with millions and millions of dollars think about the number of regular buses that you could buy um warren in bristol warren you're on wtmj hi jeff thanks for taking my call sure yeah i agree that the math on this just doesn't make any sense whatsoever it'd be very interesting to take the number of riders even cut it in half and then the eight minutes that you would be saving each of those riders and then take the money they're going to be spending, and how much is that going to actually equate on an, for an right. hourly rate right. for, right. for those people? Right, and keep in mind that eight minutes, that's assuming somebody got on at one end of the line and rode it all the way to the other end of the line. So if you pick this up, I don't know, halfway between, then you're only saving four minutes. You know, it's just, it's just you do this and you say we're going to spend 50-plus million dollars of taxpayer money for this? Really? Yeah, it just goes to show that people in politics a lot of times have no math skills whatsoever. Well, right. It's, it's economics. Yeah, no, thanks for call. It, it's the it's the bright, shiny object. Now, look, I, if there there are things that you you could do, just like instead of building fixed like a trolley line, you, know, you could have had the rubber tired buses that you could roll out so you could use them when people want to ride them. You've got, okay, something going on, lakefront, good. You add a couple of these things to move people around. You've got, uh, but but no, 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 we have to have this fixed service because this is the bright, shiny object. There are things you could do with the buses that exist now. You know, if you want to create a couple dedicated buses, you could, you could do something, for example, to give some of the bus drivers the ability to um, jigger the light. You know, manipulate the lights a little bit so that they could, you know, make sure that they're green going through. You could do stuff like that that would be a fraction of the cost. But this is the bright, shiny object, the squirrel that we continue to have taxpayers look at. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. Now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Melissa, a tipster? <laughs> a tipster. A tipster. That would be like somebody who called off. Yeah, someone who called in on the road. <laughs> like a, a, whistle, a whistleblower, except they just have a tip. Got it. Correct, yes. I, okay, got it. <laughs> a traffic tipster. A traffic tipster. tipster yes, okay. On our tip line. On, on our on our tip our line. Our tip right? line. Okay. All right, there you go. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, there there you have it. Tipster. A tipster. Oh, that's, yeah. I was wondering if that's somebody that's like leaving a tip or is, you know, it's like. It's Not like, tipsy. Right. Or, the, you know, <laughs> are you a tipster if you go into the restaurant and you leave a nice tip or whatever? Okay. Yeah, no. You call me on the tip line, you're a tipster. You become a tipster. Yes. Okay. That's it. We we want we want people to call Melissa on the tip line. Or Debbie. More like Debbie later. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, All right. Yeah. Works for me. <laughs> All right. I, I have a confession. I, I, I am not a tipster. Not a tipster, but, you know, um, you, you always see the reports. I, I don't, I have no personal knowledge of this, but I'm told that, you know, people who go into some of these recovery programs, you know, like you go to Alcoholics Anonymous and you stand up and you, you know, want to tell your story to the crowd and you say, hi, my, my name is Jeff and I'm an alcoholic or you know, f- fill in the blank. Well, I, I've, Whatever issues I have, that's that's not one. But I, I do have a confession to make. My name is Jeff, and I like stuff. Yes, I I I like stuff. My my wife will tell you. Yeah, he, she's if she is listening to this, she is now nodding. Now I'm I'm not talking about like expensive stuff, but I like stuff, like 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 little stuff. There was a point in my life where you know. Years and years and years ago, if if my wife wanted to get me out of the house because I was annoying her or something, which probably happened a lot, I, I could take $20 and I could go to like a Target store or Kmart or whatever. But for 20 bucks, now this was a while ago, I could kill an hour in a Target store walking up and down the aisles looking for stuff. Oh, there's a cassette tape. Yeah, this is that how far back it goes. There, there is a cassette tape of Sam and Dave for 50 cents. I'll throw it in the cart. Oh, here's a tire gauge, you know, you can measure your tire pressure. Like, like it's not like I would measure the tire pressure, but but it's a tire, it's a tire gauge for $1.99. This is cool stuff. I'll throw it in there. You know, you, you go through the toiletries thing and you get like the, the little bottles of like shampoo and stuff like that. Well, okay. I don't know when a trip's coming up. I'll take a couple of these. Three for a buck. Whatever. I'll throw it in there. I... I could kill seriously an hour. Just not I'm not talking about big stuff. I'm not talking about expensive stuff. I'm just talking about stuff. Send me to a hardware store and I could kill 45 minutes just walking up and down the aisles looking for for stuff. Pens. Send me into an office supply store. I mean I'll I'll, I'll you'd wander in there. Oh, look at all the different kind of pens they have. I've got a million pens at home. My wife is now nodding her head as well. But you know, you, you can never have enough pens, right? So, you know, I'll, I'll I'll buy stuff. I like I like stuff, small priced stuff. I mean, some people like really expensive stuff. Well, I I for me it's it's like small price stuff. One of my very closest friends, he knows who he is. He could kill an hour just walking up and down the aisles of a liquor store looking for different stuff to buy. But for me, you know, it's like the Target store. I, I like I like the stuff. Batteries. Batteries and other. You can never have enough batteries. And my wife will say, well, how, how many of these do we need? And I say, well, you just never know when you're going to, you never know when you're going to need batteries, you know, and you, you know, and you want to make sure that the batteries you have aren't too old. And she'll say, well, but you just bought batteries however long ago and you haven't put a date on them. Well, we're going to, uh, but you get the idea. Stuff. And, and not high price sort of stuff. So, one of the things for those of us who are stuff addicts, one of the places that really it's kind of nirvana, I try to stay out of them because I can do serious damage, is the dollar stores. I mean, for somebody for somebody who likes stuff, I mean the there was a there was a dollar store on the way into West Bend. 
Oh my goodness gracious! You know, and and I just I if if my wife would need something and she would run in, I I had to say I don't want to go in there because if I went in, I know I wouldn't come out for thirty minutes because I'd be wandering up and down. And those dollar stores, see, they know how to get people like me because they always have different stuff. You know, they, they rotate the things. So you go in one day, and then you go back three weeks later, and it's all different stuff. Or they, they, maybe it's the same stuff, and they've moved it around. So you keep looking for it. So I I'd love. I'd love the stuff. And, you know, I, I think I love the dollar stores. And in today's day and age, where brick-and-mortar retailers have been struggling and closing, one of the things that's happened is the the dollar stores, like the Dollar Tree and the Dollar Gen, uh, General, they have been exploding. And, and there's a, a couple reasons for it. First of all, because, again, because of the price point they are at and where they locate a lot of the stores, um, it's, you, you don't need a lot of money to shop there. Right, you, you you can buy all sorts of stuff, and everything's a dollar, or it's a dollar ninety nine, or or whatever. So it's it it appeals to you, you. Don't have to be a millionaire, and you don't have to be somebody who's making three hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. You know, people can go in, and you can buy the stuff there, and it's reasonably priced. Secondly, um, in many cases, it's been immune from Amazon because Amazon typically has not had free shipping for the low-priced items. You know, the, the idea was, I mean, Amazon, you had to spend, what, like, typically to get free or reduced shipping, you'd have to spend 25 or 50 bucks or, or whatever. Well, if you want to go in and buy a couple things with deodorant or something like that, you're, you're not, you're not going to pay, you know, $7 for the deodorant, for the three-pack of deodorant, and then pay another $4 to ship it. You're not going to do that. So the dollar stores have had that appeal. Now, Amazon has, of course, they have free shipping if you sign up for Amazon Prime. And so, you know, it doesn't matter how small your purchase is. If you sign up for Amazon Prime, you know, you're going to get it with free shipping. The problem, though, is that the vast majority of people who patronize the dollar stores, the, the folks who lower income customers and lower income earners, they're, they're not Amazon Prime members. I mean, they, they don't spend the money. You know, the, typically for Amazon Prime to be worth it, you, you have to spend a certain amount of money. So it's pretty much a distinct set. The majority of people who are shopping at the dollar stores are not Amazon Prime members. So that's I think one of the reasons why dollar stores in general have been able to, even in the age of Amazon, been able to, you know, thrive where perhaps more conventional retailers, the Barnes and Nobles of the world, etc., have it. All right. Well, here's here's what's going on now. Amazon has, in the words of the story that I'm looking at, declared war on Dollar Tree and Dollar General. Um, like I say, largely these dollar stores have, have, have flourished even in the age of Amazon because typically it's just more convenient to buy these small dollar products at brick and mortar discount retailers and, you know, you don't have free shipping. In recent months though, Amazon has, um, started offering free one day shipping for products that cost as little as a dollar. It costs as little as a dollar. And why they're doing it? 
Well, they're trying to get people away from going to the dollar stores. And, I mean, the economic analysis is that even if they lose money on, on some of these products, the idea is you'll get people hooked, they'll stop going to the dollar stores, they'll come to Amazon, and then maybe you can get them to do other things. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I appreciate the, the fact that Amazon has had this incredible success and that it really has been the bane of a lot of brick-and-mortar retailers. Now they're going after the dollar stores. I don't think it's going to be successful. And I understand you can go broke betting against Amazon when it sets its sights on things, but I don't think you're going to get people out of shopping at the dollar stores. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, can Amazon conquer dollar stores like it's conquered so many other things? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. And if you share my fascination with dollar stores and buying stuff and seeing how much stuff you can get for 10 bucks, I'll talk to you as well. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Back in just a minute. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 414-799-1620. Peggy in Walwatosa. Hi, Peggy. Hi. Is it Jeff? It's Jeff. You're on the air. Hello. Oh, hi. First of all, I want to tell you, when you were describing going to a store and picking up this and that, I thought it was me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I am so much like you. I can go to a store and kill an hour and buy stuff I don't even need. But... Well, right. Or, or you don't even know how exactly to use. I, this is some. Right. This is something in the kitchen. It's like a pear or something. But, I, I, but it looks kind of cool, and it's a dollar. I'm going to throw it in the cart. Yeah. All, all I know is if I don't have it, i got to get it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but just getting back to the topic here, I am an Amazon Prime member, have been for a couple of years now. And I also shop the Dollar Tree. I do both. I like Amazon because I'm sitting home one night at home and my uh, surge protector went out on me, and I needed it to get a light to work. Right. So I could go on Amazon. I had it the next day. I didn't have to leave the house, free shipping on everything. Right. Um, when you go to the Dollar Tree, I need to see what I'm buying. I want to see the quality of it. And, you know, and my, I usually come out with about 10 more things than I went in for. <laughs> right. But I, if I'm not in a hurry to get it, or if I am in a hurry to get it, I would go to the Dollar Tree right away that day and get it. So that's where I'm at. But I know at Amazon, it's ridiculous. I ordered a 57 pound bag of dog food, dry kibble, and I had free shipping. But if I wanted it in the next day instead of two day shipping, it was $703 shipping. $703? ship it in next day, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, right, yeah, right. That's one. Right. You know, it it is it is kind of interesting to me how all this this stuff plays. I, and I guess I just I understand, you know, Peggy, why why like the Dollar Tree and the Dollar General. I understand they just it's a different marketplace than the people who are buying on, on Amazon. It serves a different clientele, and they do different sort of things. And I'm not sure Amazon's going to be able to run them out of business. I don't think so either. I think people love the Dollar Tree. Not everybody can afford Amazon Prime and have to pay shipping on everything, but if they're including the free shipping with the cheaper items, well, that might change things. But never run a Dollar Tree out, never. No, I'm with you. Thanks for calling. I mean, again, I I just, it's, see, and I understand, uh, I I hate to say this because I'm an avid reader, and what will happen is I'll, let's say I'm, I'm reading a Wall Street Journal or New York Times or Washington Post, and they've got a review of a book. 
and it, it seems like it's an interesting book. And I, I, I could get my car, I could drive to the local bookstore, and I could see if they happen to have it. And then, you know, or I could order it or whatever. Or I could just, you know, turn around, go on to Amazon, click on it, and, and I have it the next day. And and I admit, maybe that's being lazy, but I, I do that. And, and But but that's for stuff like that. For the, the little objects, the things that, you know, gee, the, the candy bars or the, the thing of milk or, again, just some of the stuff. You want batteries and all. Could you order that? Yeah, but more likely, you know, if you've got a dollar store that's close by, you're going to run and you're going to do that. Armando in Green Bay. Armando, you're in WTMJ. Hello. Oh, I think the difference is, is that you go to the dot like we have a Dollar General. We'll go there. Oh, we need birth candles. Oh, we need this. We need that. <laughs> or at least you think you need it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Is it, where's the milk? Or, or I'm out of soap. Well, I'm not going to order on Amazon and get it. To, I need it now. Right. And that's the benefit of the Dollar General. And then you're looking around and say, like, oh, look at this. Yeah. And look at that. So you're going to buy a lot more. And, and right. then you remember that the next time. is like, oh, it's right over there. Why wait a day? Right. It's right it, over there. Go get it. Right, and it's and you know it's going to be there, and it, it's going to, it's small dollar purchases. You know, you're you're not going to be dropping a hundred or two hundred dollars. Mostly, my guess is most of the people that go into these dollar stores, they come out and spend less than twenty dollars. That would be my guess. Whereas yeah. for Amazon, my guess is the vast majority of people, when you order something, it ends up being way more than twenty bucks. I mean, if I want a faucet or something, I'll go to Amazon because Dollar General is not going to have it. Right. But, but you know, if if I need a can of of cream of mushroom soup real quick because we're making green bean casserole and right. we're out. Yeah. I'm going to go there. Yeah, no, I no, I'm, I'm not going to wait a day. I, right, I, I'm right. Thank, I, I'm with you. And then, like you say, you might buy other stuff. Jeff, it's all about eyeballs. Just like your your pear corer, you didn't intend to buy something else, but all of a sudden, it's in your cart and at your home. You know, later on that day, yes, there's there's that's true, Jeff. There's a certain demographic that supports these stores, and there are areas where these stores, especially Dollar General, are the only game in town for milk, bread, eggs, etc. And, and that that's true as well. Like the story I'm looking at. That they, t- I mean, a-, a lot of these dollar stores, they are in areas where the, the median income is is perhaps lower. It- it's not going to be your typical Amazon customer, but it it's affordable for where those locations are. And Amazon has pretty much left them alone until now, but now they're going after them. Uh, they're going after them with, like, again, the, the free shipping and things like that, even if they're willing to lose money. Because, I mean, you know, you, how can you offer – sir? If, if you're not an Amazon Prime member, I mean, think about it, and you have somebody that makes a $5 purchase of a couple sticks of deodorant, you know, how can you – how can you ship that to them for free? You mean and and still make money on it? Well, I, I don't know that they intend to make money on it. The idea is maybe we can hurt some of these other businesses, and and it's been a successful business model for a while. I'm just I'm not sure you can bring down Dollar General. Jack in Elkhorn. Jack, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Jack. I just Dollar Tree more not, not more than five minutes ago. Okay. Elkhorn. <laughs> I went in here to buy a couple of dog toys for my dog today's birthday. I ended up spending $12 or $14. I bought Halloween decorations, <laughs> potato chips, yeah. toothpaste. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. You start walking down the aisle because, you know, you're, you're looking for the dog toy thing, and you said, I could use some toothpaste. Oh, there's some batteries. Here, Hallow- Halloween's coming. Exactly. I get it. They suck you in, and, and it's wonderful. But even at that, you got all that stuff, and you spent, what, 14 bucks. So it, it's not like it broke the bank. 
And they do have Christmas cards on already. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, okay, there, there you go. Oh, thanks for calling. Again, so I just I found this to be interesting because, again, I, I, I'm a big fan of Amazon, and I, I admit I, I shop you know, online for all sorts of things. But you know what? And I appreciate all the, the success that Amazon has had. And I understand that Amazon and Jeff Bezos, I get that they're going to conquer the world. I think going after like the dollar stores, though, that might be a bridge too far. Time will tell. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. No, seriously, Melissa, there, there, there are certain categories of products that I am certain types of stuff I'm not allowed to buy anymore. I mean, it's just the rule is don't 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 come home with any more beer mugs. We don't need any oh. more beer mugs. Don't don't come home with don't come home with pens. We don't need any more pens around the house. There's, there's these different categories. For the love of God, don't buy any more light bulbs. Till I because I I mean I'll go into these places and I'll say, well, I don't remember if we have these kind of light bulbs or not. Here, I'll get a pack. And, and you go home and there's a whole drawer. Full. And there's a whole drawer full. <laughs> so there's all these categories of stuff that I am yes. not allowed to purchase anymore. Or just double check to see if. You no, no I'm not allowed to put them. Oh, you're no, just not. <laughs> just like a, right. don't, don't, don't buy the, if we need them, you know, tell me, I'll because I'll be able to find, and it's, it's all okay. But still, I, I love shopping for stuff because who knows when you might actually need that tire gauge. I'm just kind there of a, you go. I'm a stuff guy. And, yes. And then, then, of course, the problem is you buy it, then you can't find it. Like, okay, what did I do with the thing? I know I have it here. I know is, people like that. Which is completely mm. and totally a whole other frustrating story. <laughs> Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, yesterday on the way into work, I stopped and filled up my car with gasoline, 239 in Whitefish Bay, um, which I think is, is, it was a little bit more further north. If I drove around a little bit, I might have been able to find it a little bit cheaper, but 239. Um, I, I bring that up because... Two thirty nine, I think, is a reasonable price to pay for gasoline. Now, of course, if you lived in California, you would you would be in a line to pay two dollars and thirty nine cents. The average gasoline price in California right now four dollars and nineteen cents. Four dollars and nineteen cents, and it's been that way for a long time, and it's going to continue to be that way. Now, there's a lot of different reasons. First is that California has one of the highest state gas taxes in the nation. Um, they they just boosted it to like forty seven cents a gallon ballpark. On top of that, there's a a two percent excise tax that you pay. Um, so you know you're talking about a lot in taxes that are there in California. Just like southeastern Wisconsin at a certain part of the year, but California all year uses this special blend of gasoline because they've got these really tight pollution limits that, that they don't make anywhere else. And so, number one, there's an added cost because they, they manufacture it just for, for California. And then if you have a problem like a pipeline goes down and they've got a pipeline problem now, that means it adds all sorts of costs. So it goes through the roof. But California, you're talking about over $4 a gallon for gasoline. And that's partly by intention because the governor of the state of California, well, he's one of these environmentalists who think people drive too much. And they're trying – one of their ideas is – just like we've had some people around here who thought that if you can make the price of gasoline so expensive that people can't afford it, you will force them out of your cars. Problem with that is that people don't want to give up their cars, and so it becomes incredibly unpopular. So you've got gasoline that is more than $4 a gallon. But 
But that's not the biggest problem facing California. And, you know, we've talked about this for the last couple of weeks. I am just amazed that people in California can allow themselves to essentially be reduced to living in a third world country. Uh, we, we know the story from two weeks ago that you had the, these, these wildfires that started to break out. And as a result of California's strict liability laws on utility companies, what's happened is utilities, a couple weeks ago, they just started shutting off power. And that was because you had at least one fire that was allegedly started when a power line blew over in 60 or 70 mile an hour winds. The line came apart from the pole. It sparked. It started something on fire. And then the utilities are on the hook for billions of dollars of damages, even though it really wasn't their fault. It was kind of an act of God. So the way the utility companies have started responding to this is simply by saying, fine, when the wind gets over a certain level, what we're going to do is we're just going to shut off power. And so, what, two weeks ago, you had about a million people that were out of power in businesses, homes, some people for as long as, as four days. But as we talked about, this wasn't a one-time thing. So right now, you've got the same sort of thing. You've got a big windstorm that's hitting Northern California. You've got a couple wire wildfires, at least one wildfire that is burning kind of out of control. And once again, you have the power company who's decided, okay, we're going to shut off power. And it looks like, again, you're going to have another half a million to a million people who are going to be without power for days, days, and days. On top of that, the fire conditions in both outside of Los Angeles and outside of San Diego, there's not a wildfire right now, but the fire conditions are, it's high because you've got these high winds, the Santa Ana winds that are blowing. And so all the people that live in these areas are on notice that, you know, we, you know, if there's a fire that breaks out, be prepared. We might be shutting off your power. And this is going to be the new normal that you're going to have hundreds of thousands of people who, you know, based on, you know, whether the wind is 25 miles an hour or 40 miles an hour, who might have to live without power for day after day after day. Businesses that have to shut down, factories that can't produce. You know, it's really interesting that the nation's largest, the the largest state in the country has, has essentially, you know, become the equivalent of a third world country with regard to power. Now, there's a lot of reasons for it. One is their strict liability laws. Another is the fact that they, um, again, because of environmental policies, they didn't go in, they didn't clear out brush for years and years. So you've got, you know, all the stuff that's like a tinderbox now. So when something happens, it starts this fire. Nobody wants to see the wildfires. But at the same time, how do you live without knowing day to day whether or not today's the day that the power is shut off for two, three, four days or a week or two weeks or whatever. So if you're thinking about moving out of Wisconsin to get out of the weather, I I appreciate that. But give me winter weather and electricity that runs my furnace as opposed to two weeks without power. Another kerfluffle in California. When we come back, it depends. I'll explain. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We have an election coming up in a little bit over a year. In an era where we are very politically polarized, we're very tribal, the common wisdom is that 
there's nobody out there that's persuadable. Everybody has made up their mind. You love President Trump, you hate President Trump. And it, and it doesn't matter. And nothing's going to change that. And so part of the idea is that the key to winning an election is you mobilize your base. It's why President Trump has all, all these rallies that, that he has. It's kind of like a revival rally. People you know, show up, they wait in line, they get all fired up. President Trump gins up his base. And the idea is, okay, these people who showed up at the rally, they're, they're Trump people, for example, and they're going to go out and they're going to will enlist them and they're going to be the ground force and they're going to run out and they're going to get five or ten of their friends who feel the same way and they're going to get them out to vote. That That's the, the mobilizing the base. And, and that's, that's important. But it might not be accurate on, on either side. Uh, there, there's a new study that came out Monday, and, and it, it asks – likely voters across the country. Now, again, I understand people are skeptical about polls, but that's not what I necessarily want to talk about. And, and here's here's what it said. Among likely voters, 43% of the people say they're going to vote for the Democratic nominee, whoever it is. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if it's Joe Biden or Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders or, you know, whoever. They're voting. It's kind of like we're, we're either we're hardcore Democrat voters. We're voting against Trump. Forty three percent. Thirty one percent say that they are committed to Mr. Trump. Doesn't matter what the president does. They're voting for him. OK, so 43 and 31. Let's do the math. That's that's 74 percent. OK, that's three quarters of the electorate who say and these are likely voters who say well, our minds are made up. It doesn't matter doesn't matter at all but here's the interesting thing right if you do the math that leaves 26 percent of the electorate who haven't made up their mind they are what are being called the it depends voters in other words are you going to vote for president trump it depends are you going to vote for the Democratic nominee? Answer, it depends. What does it depend on? It depends on who the Democrat nominee is. It depends. Now, those it depends voters really haven't been getting a ton of attention. But the truth of the matter is, this election is going to be decided by the it depends voters. Because, again, we don't elect presidents because of the popular vote. We elect them because of, uh, again, you know, state-by-state electoral college. So in, in some of the more populous states, for example, like California, President Trump will, will, will lose by a big number of votes. But it doesn't really matter because you can lose California by one vote or you can lose California by, you know, five million votes. And it doesn't matter because you're still you're not going to get the electoral votes that are there. So these it depends voters become very, very critical in swing states like Pennsylvania or Ohio or Michigan or Wisconsin. Right. We only have a couple minutes. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I have a question. Are you an it depends voter? If if you've already made up your mind and, and you know that you're going to either vote for Trump or you're going to vote for whoever the Democrat nominee is, I you know that that's that's fine. You're you're locked. But I am curious as to whether there really are 
it depends voters out there. And could it be as much as a quarter of the electorate? And that's what this poll suggests. So 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I want to talk to you if you are somebody who would say it depends. I don't know what I'm going to do right now. Will I vote for Trump? Maybe. It depends. Will I vote against Trump? Will I vote for the Democrat nominee? It depends. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage talk and text line. I actually, and I've been trying to make this argument for a while now, I I think these numbers are, in fact, legitimate. I, I think, for example, there's a number of people that are out there, and, and this is the danger of, of the Democrat nominating process. There are people out there who... Maybe they they sat out the last election. Maybe they voted for President Trump as a superior alternative to Hillary Clinton. They're not sold on Trump or they, they don't like the drama. They don't like his personality. They don't like a lot of stuff that's going on, but they're not necessarily convinced that they're going to vote for whoever Trump is running against. They are the it depends voters. And I think there's a lot of them out there. And I will tell you, I mean, I, I get it. I mean, I, I understand that. If the Democrats nominate somebody like an Elizabeth Warren or a Bernie Sanders, I can't see any way in the world that I could in good conscience ever vote for somebody like that. If, because they have just a different worldview of of life and the direction of this country, etc. And, and that's even appreciating all the failings of President Trump. On the other hand, you nominate somebody who's not, as in my opinion, far to the left as one of those people, and maybe it's a different dynamic. 414-799-1620. Are you? It depends. Let's talk to Bill in Milwaukee. Bill, you're on WTMJ. How are you doing today? I'm well, thank you. Okay, are you an It Depends voter, and are they It Depends voters out there? I am an It Depends voter, but, but I am anti-Trump, but it doesn't mean I will vote for the Democrat either. Depends on who that is. Bernie Sanders is too far left. Right. For me, I would, ne- I would never vote for Bernie Sanders. So yeah. I would end up with a third-party vote. Right. <clears throat> yeah, so, I mean, you're, you're, not, you're not sold. I mean, you, you might, you're open to voting for a Democrat, but it depends on who that Democrat is, right? C- correct. Yeah. No, I, I think there's a lot. Bill, thanks for the call. I think there's a lot of people... That, that are out there, and and we're not. I, I don't think any. I don't think the pundits, and I don't think a lot of the candidates are talking to and appreciating those. It depends voters. Everybody right now is obsessed, both on the right and left, with trying to to mobilize their their base. Okay, let's get the people who've already decided who are passionate. Let's make sure they're going to turn out. And don't get me wrong, that that is incredibly important, but. There is, I continue to believe, there's this large group that's out there that it's not necessarily undecided. It, it's, it's, it depends. <laughs> you know, I don't think they're going to have any trouble deciding, but it depends on what their choices are. Sandy in West Bend. Sandy, you're on WTMJ. Hello there. Hi, Sandy. I, I am usually a strong Republican, and I am totally torn. Okay. Because, so you're... Well, I, I'm, not, I'm not pro-Trump based on how irrational he can be. Right. And that scares me a lot. Right. But I don't agree.
agree with a lot of the philosophies as far as what I'm seeing on the Democratic right. uh, runners that are there right now. So I've usually voted, but I'm almost like flip a coin this time. Mm-hmm. It's the worst of two evils. Yeah, well, that, it's, it's, in other words, you are you are that classic it-depends voter. Um, you're, you're not sold on the president. You've got issues about that, but it depends on who your choice is. If your choice is somebody that you just politically can't, you know, get behind any of the issues, you probably end up voting for Trump. If it's somebody that you can live with, you vote for them, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. No, th- thanks for calling. And I, you know, and we're, and I, and I do this topic. And, and we're going to revisit this from time to time over the course of the next year. Because I understand there, there's some people, you, you listen to shows like this one way or the other, and, and, and all it is is preaching to the choir, on, on, depending on, regardless of what side you're on, whether it's right or left or whatever. At the same time, I think there's this large group that's out there that, that's kind of underrepresented in a way because they are the it depends people. And I, I'm not sure that anybody is speaking to the it depends folks. And that's one of the things that we're going to be doing, because I actually think that's one of the deciding factors as to how this race is going to turn out. Who who are people going to vote for? It depends. When we come back, we're going to find out what Eric and Melissa have on their mind for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please stick around.